All right, everyone came back from lunch. I love that. Okay, so we're going to do a little session on moving the music and technology ecosystem forward. So basically, what we have here are so many people from so many different groups and so many different things. It's like, what do you see? What do you see that, that should be done better, that could be done better, that maybe... How do we do this in a way that works? Because we have this digital ecosystem here, and it's not going away. You know, people put up files, people get files. It's really, really hard to sell music in a physical format. It's really hard to sell it in a digital format. I mean, where are we going? And what can we do, both as individuals and as companies, and as a group of people who care to really make this work because, you know, I mean, I don't believe that musicians will stop making music, but I do believe that their lives will not be that good if we don't find a way to make this all work. So I want to hear your thoughts. And I know this is bringing it on you quickly. Does anyone have any, any thoughts on the whole questions about how to move the ecosystem forward? Okay, so the most important thing, and particularly for people breaking into the space and for the people who are enjoying the music, is the transparency. The more we can actually see what's happening, the more we can see how the ecosystem is working, the more we can be sure that the value that people are capturing from it is fair, the more people contribute into it. So, so it's true. I mean, there's definitely experiences. I mean, people want to connect with the artists and they want to like see them perform or get involved with them and then there's more and more non-music things that people are doing but is that enough does that really will it compensate will it find an ecosystem if, if we're dealing with musicians i mean we had a very interesting thing my wife used to manage george clinton and parliament funkadelic and it was really interesting because you know he lost rights to most of his music long before she showed up and everyone's like, okay, well, sell T-shirts. I mean, he made good money touring, because if you throw a party, people will come. He made good money touring, but that still dwarfed the amount of money that he would make from whether licensing or sale of music. And what does the ecosystem look like? How do we... Is it going to be largely touring-based? I mean, I was speaking with Dweezil Zappa, and, for instance, they've got huge amounts of music that his dad created, but he can no longer connect with the fans. I mean, what does this look like moving forward? Walt? Hi, everybody. My name is Walt Ligger. I'm a, a former talent manager and a current artist. I guess what my thoughts would be is that for the talent side, they need to start embracing the technology and, and using what's going on today you know, to connect to the fans, because it's more of a direct-to-fan relationship as opposed to uh, the middleman's kind of out of the way. Sorry for all y'all middlemen in here. But, you know, uh, beyond that, the companies, I think, you know, they also got to embrace the technology and, and use it to uh, get to the people, and then it's more build your brand, because it's not just CDs you're selling anymore. You know, you got to sell everything. They got to believe in you, and that's how you connect with them, social media, et cetera, et cetera, and then make some money. That is a way that seems to make sense, but how does it really go? I mean, you know, you look at these things and, you know, George used to make money because he would monetize his celebrity. Or my partner did a bunch of work with RZA 
And the amount of money he didn't make with the Wu-Tang Clan paled versus when he started doing major motion pictures. So what's the future? I mean, we're, we're the technology folks. We're the folks who are really trying to find a way forward. So there's got to be some thoughts. I mean, yes, there's, you know, you got Natalie Dawn who's delivering cookies she bakes on her as she drives around. But that's not like the sustainable business model where you're going to have 400,000 musicians driving around delivering cookies. It's like, what do we see? And I really don't know that anyone has the answer But I kind of want to ask the question, because if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And it's got to work, because this is a major part of our culture, and it's a major part of the people in this room's business. And we all love music, and we all want to support the artists. And when you've got the internet that allows digital files to be transferred without repercussion, without whatever... It's like, what does it really look for? So I'm going to, like, come down. And I'm not hitting you guys up. Don't worry. <laughs> but I am hitting you up, Phil. Because you are, you are a musician who is a technologist who's building tools for musicians. What does the ecosystem look like? How do musicians make money? I mean, yeah, they can license when they're popular. But, but really, what does it look like? in 5, 15, 20 years? I think these days, the way that it pretty much works is throwing a lot up there and seeing what sticks, a lot more than before. So it's not like working all year on your album and putting it up. It's, it's putting up every single thing as you do it all the time. And if one of them takes off, then you're good. Okay, and that's a very interesting thing because as we all know, you know, with a traditional record deal, you could put out you know, whatever it is, 14 tracks every nine months or something like that. And there are definitely artists who are way more prolific. And it seemed to work really well with folks like Lil Wayne. And I don't quite know, you know, maybe he had the leverage to swing that particular deal where he can put out tons and tons of tracks that aren't being released by the label. But is that the answer to just become prolific? I mean, in the past, folks would really work so hard on every song and make it be like the best perfect album. I mean, we had his name from Third Eye Blind. Stephen Jenkins, yes. Oy, always when you're on stage. But he basically said, I'm going to put out song after song, and then when I've got ten that, you know, or more that everybody really likes, I'm going to turn that into an album and put it out then. So is it to become prolific? Even in the more present, you have a lot of artists whose their songs come out sounding a lot better than the you know, music that they could make on their own. I mean, is it really like to just make so much, so much music and find the right thing that sticks? And I'm asking it because we got hundreds of people in this room and we're all in this ecosystem and it's great to make technologies that allow people to see better playlists, to to make music slightly different way with different instruments or to do different distribution. But can we articulate any possible solutions that people can, can work towards to really making this work? So no, I don't have the silver bullet, if that's the real question. <laughs> but I think, I think one of the things that I would point out is that this ecosystem is unbalanced and that far too much, and this is what, my 10th or 11th one of these, Far too much 
is focused on the recorded work. If you look at the 50,000 years that music has been around, it has not been about recorded works. Recorded works are a piece of the ecosystem, but it does not all start with the recorded work and then figure out how to monetize along the way, whether you're a middleman or whether you're an artist or whether you're a producer or whether you're whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. We've gotten too hung up on the last 50 years and we've forgotten what the whole 50,000-year arc of music is all about, which is absolutely about culture and absolutely about connecting people. And uh, unfortunately, this term experiences has become almost as cliche as the term community, right? We need to get back to actual live experiences and actual community building through music. And that's the way that we build it from the ground up. We don't try and redo what's been broken from the top-down approach that's been here for the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. We forget about that. Come back to it later. It doesn't need fixing. It needs to be forgotten. We need to get back to what is really important to people. Mm -hmm. And that's what they will keep coming back and paying for. And you see it. You see it with all the festivals. The people get that experience, and they will come back year after year after year and listen to that same song but they won't go and pay for a song so that they can listen to it over and over again. And that, that's interesting. I mean, it kind of almost begs the question of, of the whole live streaming experience, which I personally am a big fan of, and I'd love to try to figure out what the model that works is there because, you know, now I got my wife, I got kids, I got really busy. If I want to go see Neil Young and i got to buy tickets three months in advance and go to Shoreline. It's going to be $600 with babysit. I mean, you know, it's like, but I want to have that experience. So I am a huge believer in watching streaming concerts to your house. But what's the model there? Is it one where it's pay-per-view? Is it one where, you know, is it really important to make sure there's all the backstage footage because then you feel like, you're more connected with the fans. Is it going to be like a subscription service? Is it going to be sponsored or, God forbid, advertised? And I say that because the returns on the amount you could make off of advertising is so low that I'd rather pay the fraction of a cent and not see the ad. But does anyone have any ideas... What, what that model will look like, or Tom, or any other model? Go for it, Tom. Tom Murphy, I'm with the Recording Academy, and we've heard this word metadata used a lot, and I think we're beginning to start to understand what that truly means and how it's useful, and, and the Recording Academy has launched this credits campaign where whether it's streaming or downloads or through um, other services or live event sites or whatever, the, the issue about finding what you dig however you do that in whatever path. There's lots of different ways. But as we migrate to this digital space, the concept of who's involved in this thing is beginning to get lost. And whether it's listing the artists who all performed on it without having to go to look at multiple sources to see who's on guitar, who's on drums, to see the label. People are beginning to put that in, but if a label put out this style of music, it probably puts out other types of things you like. I think what we need to do is pick a starting point, mm -hmm. acknowledge that this is a complex and long-term solution that has many, many stakeholders with lots of business and legal concerns, but pick a starting point 
make progress on that starting point, perhaps it's this credits campaign of just who made this song possible. All the people involved, or many of them, as opposed to just artist name, album name, and song name, and you go figure it out yourself. Mm -hmm. If we can make progress on that, build on it, and then add more experiences. What are more solutions we have? It's sure. a long-term iterative sure. process, not, not a silver. Well, that, that, that is a key question. I mean, a key issue, of course. I mean, and, and because who makes the music, who owns the music, who you go to to license the music. I mean, it's really important. And it's not really one of these worlds anymore where you've got five record labels. And I mean, that's how many there were back when it was this world. You know, when you've got... The record labels, it's like you have all of these startups and all of these companies and all of these larger companies and everyone from... It, there's just so many people who want to license music and it becomes a big, a big problem. Like when we did the Greenwich back in the day and we basically had to type in all of the information for every track that we wanted to legally broadcast. And I know we are addressing that here. You know, we had a session two times ago and then last time, and then I wasn't down there in the towards an open rights licensing and credit database, but I actually think that we need to kind of free up the information in a way where people can say, all of these side men played on this track, and all of these folks, you know, these are the folks who you pay if you want to license it. And, and that, to me, is... I don't personally think that information should be behind a paywall because that's the barrier to paying people. And in reality, those sort of things, if we can make it so everybody can have access to that information, I don't think it's the solution that will fix everything. But I think it's a pretty, I, I think it's a good step. Was anyone? Was that this morning? Was anyone down there in that session? So, Craig, you from a technical side have worked on this issue all over. I mean, are we getting closer to figuring it out? So I think so. So I came out of the NARM metadata conference feeling a lot more positive about the industry itself. One, paying attention to it, and two. Um, some of the larger players actually starting to do stuff. Now, it's slow. It is snail pace slow for the industry itself. For the global repertoire database, it's going to be a long time. The RIIAA is supposedly going to change the way we assign ISRCs and make that data available at a reasonable price. A year ago, it was supposed to be out in 18 months. This time it was a year. So, you know, two years then. So I think we're doing good that way, but we need to kick it in the ass somehow. And we need to just all start agreeing about what is, number one, what is important for us to get started with, and how can we bring all the players, all the people with the data, and sensitize and lower the barriers to get them to provide that data to somebody, whether it's Rob over at Music Brains or whatever it is. We need to learn to communicate and get people to communicate. And I think that's key. And I think I've seen a lot of progress there because the information is really, it, it's worth something, but it's worth so much more if 
everybody can use it because what used to drive me nuts is we would have to enter in all the information and then every other startup would have to enter in all the information or you'd have to license it from somebody, you know, with potentially restrictive terms or inability to redistribute the data. And I'm sorry if, if anyone's got a business model based on this that... <laughs> anyway, so, but I think that really as we move forward, it's going to be really, really helpful if we can do it. So we're going to keep beating on it here. And if anyone's interested in working on it, you know, we're actually, uh, I don't think I've invited anyone to it, but I set up a mailing list where people could join and really try to figure out how to build a database that allows people to find all the credit information and all of that stuff. And there's a lot of great folks. And I really appreciate the Recording Academy really pushing, I mean, from their side being like, hey, we're performing, why don't we get the credit? And, you know, even where, I mean, it was amazing to me where we had the session last time and one, one of the guys from the PROs rushed up and was like, we'll give you all our data. And I was like, really? You know? And I've heard of another PRO now that's, that's willing to do it. And then there's another PRO that's very well represented here that, you know, has certain... Uh, factions within it that are very interested in doing it because really the most important thing there is is how do you get the folks paid and if the data isn't easily accessible anyway didn't want to go down the whole rights licensing and data you need to say something rob you can hang yes if rob needs to say something get him a mic so what i'd really rob flew in from barcelona for this so we really appreciate it Well, thank you for having me. At this meeting that Brian was just talking about, I issued this challenge and the call for action. And if anybody is from a PRO, especially the said PROs that are willing to open up a little bit, if you're from a publisher, if you're from a label that is wanting to open up a little bit and work with Music Brains to start connecting some of these disparate pieces of information, and there are all these databases out there, we have people that were willing to correlate this information, willing to clean up this information. We've got thousands of volunteers literally all over the world that are chomping at the bit to get data. So please, if you're really serious about this, if you actually want to give us some data and start actually gluing things together, we have people that are interested in doing this, find me. Obviously, I'm not very difficult to find. (laughs) I would love to have a conversation with you. Thanks. So, and I know we're really coming towards the end of this, but I did want to go back to the live thing. Does anyone really think they have a clue on the business model? Because the way I see it is you can have folks who could sell individual shows. And I know I'll buy a show every, like the Neil Young example. You know, I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch him live every night. If I got to pay 20 bucks, great. But that, once again, is the short head versus not even the long tail, but the mass. How do we turn it into something where there's enough money being transferred that... It makes sense for the artists, the technology companies, and everybody. Does anyone have a a vision? See, because what I'm kind of seeing, we'll go to Paul, hand him the mic. So, because what I'm seeing is everybody's just kind of like throwing stuff off the wall and trying to see what what works. But what do you think will work? I've heard some pretty awesome ideas over the past two weeks or so, and... Since I sauntered in late, I don't know which startups you've talked about and which you haven't. I don't think I really named any, or maybe I okay, dropped a couple. Okay, okay. Anyway. I'll just rattle off like some, some really cool ones, and then after that, just quickly describe some thoughts. So Lively, for example, is one startup. 
Their concept is you walk into a gig and the artist has set up something pretty simple and you can download an app and then have a recording of the show and then pay for that recording right as you walk out of the venue. And this is, this is an issue that people have been trying to solve for more than a decade. How do you take the live performance, walk out of the show, and then, and then have that performance, which carries this huge premium? Okay, so that's, that's this is company Lively. There's companies like Stage It, which I think they're here today or something, but Stage It is the artist performing a tiny little show, a ditty, a small performance, charging a very limited audience for that, and that live experience is what's charged for. iRock is a company that is trying to revolutionize the live streaming space. So the big question to me is, in all this, and cut the mic off whenever you want, the big question is, how does the, the whole digital live thing pan out? And I've always wondered that, because actually being there is the biggest biggest premium to me in the world. And it's true in sports, it's true in other forms of media. And so I think the big area I'm trying to crunch to and think about and the big kind of future bet revolves around how live sort of complements online and how those two play together. I think they're always going to be dancing together. Cool. So, so this is a short session, but this is a long problem. And this is something that I want people to focus on because we do have a lot of like the best and brightest minds who not only are talented, but also get the realities of the ecosystem and have the ability to actually build stuff that makes a difference. So I want everybody to not only think about this moving forward, but just kind of raise it among your companies, your groups, your, your networks, and let's see what we can do to move it forward because it's a crazy problem and it's a tough problem and you got to acknowledge the realities of unlimited distribution and the only way to deal with it if you want to have control is to really kind of come off as an asshole like you're attacking your, your fans. But we do need to find ways to really move it all forward for it to work for everybody. So I really appreciate your time. I totally appreciate you guys coming out, and thank you so much for taking a look at this issue.